This is the Huddle. Every Thursday from noon to two. Presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Let's go in! The Huddle. Welcome to the Huddle. I'm Michael Bombers, joined by Dave Wyman. No Stacy today. She's out on vacation. So you got to deal with us, man. Dave, how you doing? I'm good, man. Good to be here after a win. Right. It's been a while, right? It's been a long time. It feels like over a month, man. I remember looking at the 49ers when they lost their three in a row. Then they had a bye week. I go, man, a month of losing. That has to be tough. And then we get hit with a month of losing. So uh, yeah. 49ers, I feel your pain. I hope you feel more pain, though. Um, <laughs> man, let's recap this game. Last week, man, you were on the call. I always think about you and Raves when these – dramatic plays or endings happen just you guys are a part of that moment um what was the end of the game like but the game in general man what you take from it well i try not to like uh squeal and you know make noises and stuff in the background or whatever or grumble when mm-hmm. things are going bad just to stay out of rabel's way but man yeah it was uh it was it was just like magical i mean it was like well here's what we need we need him to pick the ball off picks the ball off here's what we need we need a 92 dr- yard drive and you know to for for that all to come down, and I think we didn't really, you know, you just think, hey, this is, you know, you got a good backup quarterback out there, and he played well last week, and yeah, sure, we're just going to go right down the field. And then the fashion, as you mentioned, the dramatic fashion, I mean, the the catch by DK, right, just ridiculous in between, you know, hands flying everywhere, and then that ridiculous catch by JSN. And all of a sudden, to me, it kind of clouds the the water a little bit because it's like yeah maybe we should get it to him a little bit more right because you know it's always like dk what about tyler lockett he hasn't really shown up and i feel like tyler is gonna gonna show up here big in the next couple games because you just can't keep a guy like that down but for for that to, to happen 92 yard drive he went five for ten on the drive so it was kind of shaky you know but um yeah the the catch by jsn was ridiculous i compared it to josh gordon caught one in carolina in 2018 or 19 i can't remember where he caught the back half of the football yeah that's hard to do it is and and then get your feet in and he didn't even really pay that much attention to it it was just very natural for him to get his feet in so yeah an amazing way to end that game especially with the same thing with the with the second pick that julian got you know, it was if uh, Trey Brown hadn't been there, it would have mm-hmm. been easy two feet down. His leg hits it, barely toe taps it. So, yeah, I mean, you know, when when uh, Jason Kelsey got busted for moving the, the ball up like two or three <coughs> inches or yeah. four inches or whatever it was, it's like it comes down to that. It does. So, man, it was uh, yeah, it was it was really, really cool to watch. And it was almost like you couldn't believe what was happening. Yeah, and I think we sat here last week with Boyle and Stacy, and we all felt like they legit had a chance to win this game. We weren't just saying it because, obviously, we're employed by the team or not. We looked at the matchups and said, okay, let's go. Now, Philadelphia still ran for 178 yards on the Hawks. You hate to see that. But what they did do was limit A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. A.J. had five receptions for 56 yards, no touchdowns. Devontae Smith had five for 50, no touchdowns. So when you're able to stay on top in coverage and make those big plays in the secondary against one of the best duos in the league, um, that's always encouraging. But Julian Love, man, uh, Jamal didn't play last week. We're, we'll see if he plays this week. He's looking doubtful this week. Uh, what did you make of Julian Love just taking advantage of, of such a great opportunity? Yeah, it's funny. Probably two or three weeks ago, I was like, you know, Julian's been good, but he hasn't, like, stood out that mm-hmm. much. And then the last two games been responsible for four takeaways so yeah and and he's had been playing 75 percent of the snaps and 
uh, pretty much, you know, all year. And then there are some games where he was very underused. I, I felt like, you know, 30% of the snaps. So uh, he was 100, and it seemed to work. And, you know, coverage was, was good. He's playing his best football. I thought Diggs played a lot better. Yeah. He was squaring people up like he normally does. And then the other thing, you know, and I, I think – you know, this uh, coaches used to say this all the time to me. It's the little things, you know. So I thought the way Mike Jack was handling those little screens, the bubble screens, right. I don't know what you'd seen from Philly, like if they like to run it that much, but it seemed like they ran a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Him and Big Cat, that dude yeah. has three sacks, a bunch of tackles for loss. He has sniffed out those screens, it seems like, every time. And those two guys just doing the little things. And I was up there pounding the table for Mike Jackson, man. I was like, more Mike Jackson. I know we're going to have Bobo today. I know everybody says more Bobo. But, man, I that dude is old school, and he just takes care of things in a very systematic way. It's right. like destroy the receiver that's trying to block you first. And he did that. We, we talked to El Ombre, who comes on our show every Tuesday, Michael Bradley, and he was talking about uh, Devontae Smith and why in the world do you have him trying to block? And I'm like, it's a pretty good point. <laughs> that guy, like, a I buck was, 75, oh maybe. God, I was looking at him down on the field before the game and skinniest legs I've ever seen in yeah. the NFL. So, yeah, I mean, they were they were trying to do that. But, I mean, Mike Jack did exactly what you need to do to yep. shut that play down. And they shut it down several times. So. Really, uh, just just little things like that. I don't think necessarily it's addition by subtraction, you know, not having Jamal in there. My personal opinion is that Jamal's hurt, and yep. he can't play up to his potential with the injury that he has. So, you know, that's the thing. I mean, I've always said about, the, about this, you know, there's no 90%, there's no 80%. It's either a go or a no-go. Mm-hmm. Can you play NFL football? And, you know, if you can't, it's very obvious. And so, to me, that's that's kind of what it looked like in the San Francisco game. Yeah, something else I loved about that game, the tight ends getting involved. Now, not any huge plays, but when you see them get receptions, to me, that just tells me the offense is flowing. Noah Fan had three catches. Disley had two. Colby Parkinson had one. I had a big touchdown the weekend before. All right, let's transition over to the Tennessee Titans, man. they've um, They're an interesting team, Dave. And I, I look at their film, and I look at what Levis has been able to do. Now, he's doubtful, it sounds like, for the game this weekend, so you might see Tannehill or um, or Malik. But I'm looking at Will Levis, and I underestimated him. I, I'm, I'm looking at his athleticism. Now, he's going to make some bonehead decisions at times because he's a rookie. But uh, when he is healthy and he's throwing it to D-Hop, he looks pretty good. But the last couple of weeks, man, Derrick Henry has 43 yards total running the football but he does have two touchdowns um what do you when you see the titans uh what concerns you or or what encourages you well i'm just looking at like some of the you know some of the their opponents you know they've had some bad losses like you know they lost 27 to 3 to cleveland and then of course they lost over the weekend in overtime um so against houston that was at home but you know, you see that they played Miami really well. That was an impressive outing. And so I feel like any NFL team is always available to do something like that. Um, the other thing that kind of sneaks into my mind is maybe Tannehill is tired of sitting around watching the mm-hmm. rookie. Maybe he comes out and lights it up. But I do feel like we're going to be able to get to the quarterback. Yeah. Because, you know, they've been sacked 50 times, all three of their, you know, their, uh, their quarterbacks. And, you know, what was it Willis? He's only complete or only attempted five passes. 
He's been sacked four times. <laughs> so I, I feel like that, you know, we, we can get after them with the pass rush. I mentioned Big Cat earlier and uh, get some pressure up the middle. It's been a while since our guy, Boye Moffitt, yeah, has got say that. So, you know, I feel like that that's an opportunity for them. They're not really sure about their quarterback position. You mentioned Hopkins. I mean, that guy's magical. But, um, yeah, I, I, I feel like. You know, you, you still got Derrick Henry back there, and you know, they're always available to make plays. And I, I feel like this is a team that if you don't go and take care of it, I don't sit there and mark this off as a W no. at all, not by any stretch. No, it's the NFL, and uh, you got to take every opponent uh, respectfully. And there are plays to be made out there. I was talking to Curtis in the first two hours. I go, look, you got D. Henry. You got Hopkins over there as well. We'll see what quarterback plays. What I don't want to see is a guy like Traylon Burks just have a day all of a sudden. Um, I always, It always um, concerns me when a guy who hasn't been doing much all of a sudden shows up, and now they have another option. But I think if they play fundamentally sound, um, they can win this game. They should be favored to win. I'm not sure what Vegas has them at. But, um, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see how they respond to the big win from a Monday night game. Yeah, and I, I feel like we're at the point, and especially with these opponents, where you know we're going into the Dallas game, the Eagle game, uh, the two Niner games. Like It's all about them, yep. and can we control them? I feel like these three games are all about us. How, how are we going to play? Um, we see what, what they're able to do. And I, I, don't, you know, I don't buy the whole thing that Jalen Hurts was sick. I don't, I don't buy that just because of my own personal experiences. <laughs> I had like a 103-degree temperature for a game. I was telling the story yesterday. I was sick as a dog for a Sunday night game. Went out there, played the game, actually had a good game. Afterwards, I was drinking beer in the bar with my boys. <laughs> yeah, we beat the Raiders, and it was like I was, I was cured. It was fine. Come on, sick? You can't. I don't. I don't buy that he was sick. So, yeah, I thought that was a that was a really good win over Philadelphia, and uh, you know that was just kind of what they needed to propel them on the streak. You know what was cool, Bump? Also, last week that was as low as I've ever heard Pete Carroll. Mm. You know, saying ask those guys. Yeah. It's like is the messaging there? I yeah. don't know. Ask those guys. And you know, look, he's human. And it gets to him after a while. Look at how he ended that week. I mean, he, he went back out on the field and was looking around, you know, trying to take it all in. You saw that. I don't know if you saw the post game that had to be bleeped out. Pete was just going crazy in the <laughs> locker room. And then he was talking really fast right. and everything. So I just thought that was, a, as Pete would put it, that was a beautiful thing. You know, he went from the, the emotional lows to the highs, and mm -hmm. it all occurred in one week. And I just thought that was a, a very cool little happening there for pete it seems like he always surprises you yeah you know you think he's the oldest guy in the league he is just like how do you get that much energy you know and muster that up it's pretty amazing he takes those vitamins in the morning you know does some yoga something's going down in his <laughs> his preparation i was talking to curtis and i said um what impressed me the most about Pete this month was was that he was faced with something he's never been through before, and he changed his approach a bit while still remaining himself. I think he was a bit more stern this week when it comes to the media and, and applying pressure to the guys and calling guys out throughout this four-game losing streak, but still found a way to be himself while doing that. Yeah. He said, you, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I go, nah, Pete learned some new tricks this week, man, because uh, he got his guys motivated and ready to go, man. So that just going off of what you said, man, that was impressive to me that he was able to do that. Yeah, well, and also, you know, you look at 
this time there's been a lot of talk in the NFL, like Mike Tomlin, Bill Belichick, mm-hmm. are they losing their fastball? Right. You know, and it happens to everybody. And I, I wonder if maybe that kind of crept into Pete's mind. I mean, especially like he's the guy that is the great communicator. Mm-hmm. Like the he knows how to get to his players. And he was pretty low at that point. But, you know, he just buckled up went through the week and then by the end of the week you could see he was pretty excited and then after that game it just all overflowed i thought it was a really cool sort of little microcosm of the season you know for for pete and for his career yeah as well you know i mean uh, you just you can't stay down yep can't do it all right man we're just getting started here in uh, the huddle with dave wyman and michael bumpus when we return we'll be joined by a young man who made a play that is jsn you don't want to miss it that is next right here on the huddle this, this is the huddle presented by hunt services and pacific lamp and supply every thursday from noon to two on seattle sports jsn is wide to the far side Drew looks, throws that way, got JSN, he reaches up, makes the catch, touchdown, Seahawks, holy catfish, what a throw by Drew Locke, what an over-the-shoulder catch by Jackson Smith and Jigba, and with 28 seconds left, the Seahawks lead 19-17, oh my word. 92 yards to victory capped off with that touchdown right there by JSN. Welcome back to the huddle. I'm Michael Bumpus with Dave Wyman. We will be joined by JSN in a little bit there. The Seahawks are wrapping up practice. I'm sure NASA is uh, making his way over here with JSN. But um, man, I think you described that that drive beautifully, like five for 10 when it comes to the completions. There were times where I'm two third downs. Uh, one was a big play to DK. The other thir- third down conversion was a game winning touchdown. I was watching the end of the game in the Verizon wire uh, wireless lounge with the people. And um, it was fun because too many times I've been there with them and everyone's shaking their head and they're walking out the stadium right. and the energy was down. So to share that moment with the folks was awesome. And I could imagine your point of view was even better. Yeah, and, you know, the other thing that that was cool about it was, um, and I didn't get a chance to see it until later, but the interview of Drew Locke and him kind of going through the emotions and everything. The other thing I think that stood out, and we were talking about Pete and, you know, his sort of transformation as the week went on, but you really saw the connection between Gino and Drew. Mm -hmm. Like, they really true i've always been kind of skeptical of that yeah you know and i moyer your boy moyer he will sometimes <laughs> say uh, oh man if there's a a rookie uh, strong safety coming in trying to take my my job i'm gonna tell him to go left when he should go right you know <laughs> but he's joking about yeah, that of course sure. but no the connection there and you know when they were battling it out last year i thought you know i think I, I thought Drew would be a better backup for Gino than the other way around because mm-hmm. Gino been in the league for so long and he's fought for it and he got it got a chance and you know he he won that job last year comeback player of the year and so we're going to go back to Gino of course because he didn't do anything to lose his job but it's really it, it kind of brings home we had the John Schneider show last year and I remember when John came down here after they signed Drew Locke he was really excited really excited right. to have a really good Look at you! Look at what your your backup quarterback did. I mean, he actually played well against San Francisco. Didn't get you the W, but I mean, the ninety-two yard drive. Uh, I mean, that's 
how many backup quarterbacks can do that? And maybe he's not a backup quarterback. Yeah. So, you know, I think I think the the good news is that um, you know those guys have a really good connection and that they're going to support each other. Yeah, you have to support each other, right? Especially because you're all working towards the same thing. And I'm sure Gino's like, look, when I'm healthy, I'd much rather prefer to be playing for something at the end of the year. And it starts with this game. If you don't win that game, your chances of getting to the playoffs uh, shrink dramatically. According to uh, Brady Henderson, if they lost that game, the Hawks had a 16% chance to make the playoffs because they won that game. It's up to 55% right now. Uh, so, yeah, and and I imagine that Geno looked, looks at Drew and say, that was me, you know, four, three, four years into the league. Yeah. Um, people have given up on me a little bit, um, didn't really have opportunities. So for, for Gino to support him that way, he has to feel like there's some some type of a connection there when it comes from just their journey. And I'm with you. I think Drew Locke can be a starter in this league. And I think that everything from the way he played against the Niners to the way he played against Philly to his post-game interview is all going to help him next year when it's time to negotiate contracts and hopefully get a shot in the NFL. I like also the uh, kind of I've talked to to Drew a couple of times, just trying to kind of get to know him. But you saw him where he takes his helmet off and delivers that message to America. Lots of lip readers out there. Uh-huh. And it goes from that to almost kind of breaking down into tears yeah. afterwards and the emotions of it. So, yeah, I mean, I think what you see is what you get with that kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I talked to him after the game in San Francisco and we were asked, I was asking him about his his child that's due and things like that he's just very calm um doesn't you know it's the game's not too big for him and he's a great athlete and uh it seems like very well liked by his teammates so yeah it was a it was pretty impressive pretty impressive uh that that entire thing and there was a lot to kind of soak in afterwards you know there was so much excitement like you said during that drive and then all of a sudden you start to look back on the week and how it went and you know some of the some of the drama that was going on and how they managed it yeah all right well uh we're gonna sneak in a little break right here give jason some more time to get over here uh we'll speak to him and jake bubble that's coming up next here on the huddle this this is the huddle Presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on Seattle Sports. Welcome back to the Huddle. Michael Bumps with Dave Wyman. Now we're joined by JSN. What's up, man? How you feeling? Feeling good. Feeling good. How y'all doing? Good, man. We're good. I mean, shoot. 10, what, uh, 92 yards and a touchdown to end that thing. You got your your second walk-off touchdown, man. Um I always love when I get a chance to talk to you. I can real talk receiver stuff, man. And it's it's the little things that you do that I appreciate. Um, I, I coach at a high school, and I show my kids the film of your touchdown. And it's just a go route, right? right. But what young dudes want to do is they want to try to run by the defender like eight yards away from him. I go, no, nah, it's just going to squeeze you to the sideline, and you're done. Right. So you being patient in that moment, getting on his toes, swimming him up, it was beautiful. And then – to me, that's the hardest catching football over the shoulder on the sideline. Uh, you made it look easy. When they called that play and you saw you had that one-on-one matchup, did you know you were going to get the football? Drew, I knew I was going to get the football, um, but you don't know because it is football and a lot of things can happen. So, you know, I think I'm going to get the football every play, right. I mean, every time I run a route. So, you know, that was a play where it was designed. If we see man-to-man coverage, you know, we we're going to take that shot with me. And um, as I go out there, Drew, he – he, you know, stamped it and like, hey, remember, man, man, you know, it's going up to you. And I'm like, OK, cool. So, you know, just ran my route. And like you said, you know, it's the little things, you know, about the game and the art of route running that I really like and really, you know, try to strive for. And, um, you know, 
um, been taught by some good people, you know, all credits to, you know, people in my hometown, to Coach Harline, Ohio State, and, you know, uh, just practice, you know, hard work and, and putting it into the game. And that was just the next catch. So I was happy to make that play. How did you catch the back half of the football? I've only seen that one. I was telling him uh, Josh Gordon was here a few years ago, mm -hmm. and I saw him do that on like a 60-yard where he caught the back half of it. Like, that's not how yeah. you catch a football, man. <laughs> that was incredible. Yeah. You just, just reach out for it? Yeah, for that, I just reached out as far as I could and just squeezed it and hope for the best, I guess. And it looked like you didn't even really, like you knew your feet were, were going to get in. Like, mm -hmm. is that kind of almost like an automatic for you? You practice it so much, right? Yeah, I mean, but after Dallas game, man, I don't know what's going on. I had to, I was really kind of nervous. Hopefully they didn't <laughs> call it back, you know. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I knew I had it. And, uh, you know, yeah, happy to make that catch. Man, I'm watching you play, and you, you've always been like a fast player, but it seems like you're playing even faster, like you're, you're noticing things um, quicker. Um, is Am I seeing that correctly? Yeah, I mean, I feel like you're seeing a young rookie receiver just trying to grow and, and growing each week. You know, you know, each week I try to, you know, be on Tyler Lockett's hip and be on DK's hip and learn. And, you know, I feel like the best players adjust to, you know, and – and, um, you know, develop um, to, you know, be good and, and to do the things that they know they're going to win and be successful. So, you know, that's just what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to grow each week, each game, play faster and faster and, you know, just be there for um, my team. A couple things about you, man. Everybody forgets that you had surgery mm -hmm. at the beginning of the year, and that was like a record time coming back from that, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, what was it? How much football did you miss? I want to say I missed a good solid week. Yeah. A good solid week. Um, they brought me back in a little slowly, but yeah. Yeah. I, when I think about it, it kind of, you know, kind of shocks me too that, yeah, I had surgery and I fractured my wrist you know, right before the season, literally a week before the season. And, you know, it was hard, you know, trying to, you know, really catch the ball with a cast on for about three, four weeks. But, um, you know, we made it happen. And um, I want to thank the, the – I always thank the um, treatment guys, you know, my people, you know, at home, you know, you know, credit to, you know, the work outside the building. And um, we were able to, you know, get back. What's it been like um, on this journey? Because, you know, people see you out there doing your thing, but it's your mom, your dad, your brothers, your, your cousins, your fam back home. Uh, what's what's their reaction been to the season that you're having? They just, you know, they're really dedicated and they really <laughs> they're Seahawks fans now and they take, you know, every loss to heart, you know, every win, you know, they're they're really into it. But, um, you know, it's, I'm definitely blessed to have, you know, my family and and the close friends, you know, in my circle, um, they've been real supportive and, um, you know, just to go home and, you know, see them, you know, it's just, you know, always good to talk about football and not talk about football. So, you know, I'm definitely blessed and thankful to, you know, to have mom, dad, brother. Another thing I wanted to ask you about uh, during camp, you had, I don't know if it was a tweet or something, but you had a quote where you said that one of the things that you like about playing receivers, you're not, not really sure if you're going to make the catch or not. Yeah, yeah. You were talking about sort of that whole thing. Kind of elaborate on that and how it's kind of like a little game inside of the game for you. Yeah. Right? I mean, the best moment, I think I said something, the best moment, the best feeling is like when you see the ball, you don't know if you're going to catch it. You know, you reach out and it yeah. falls in your hands. Just that um, anxiety, I guess, the uh, the all that stuff that plays into it. You know, it feels good. Just the relief, 
you know yeah. it's it's an amazing feeling and yeah that catch i guess yeah that was definitely one of those feelings all right well uh we're gonna let you keep getting right for this uh this weekend's thank game you. man we appreciate uh yes, your time and, and i love just watching you grow man it's real fun to watch thank man. you i appreciate, appreciate it thanks for having me on all right that is jsn man all right i think we got jake bobo hanging bobo. around yes, no nah, he's not here yet but you know what we'll uh we'll stall a little bit till he gets here man jsn take care baby good seeing you yes sir all right, man. Yeah, man. I don't, man, receiver talk. I can sit with receivers all I see that. day and yeah. just break this thing down, man. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, um, I didn't want to ask too many questions, Bump, because I know you had lots to get to there. But man, what a great young kid! Just the way he thinks about it, too. Right. I thought that was that was really impressive. That you know, he talked about the anxiety mm-hmm. and you know that's uh, yeah. And wide receivers, you know, that's I, I think the other thing about that is that so many other people have to do their job. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you're wide open, you run the best route that you've ever run and somebody gets whooped at the line of scrimmage or somebody doesn't run the right route or the quarterback just doesn't see you. It's a very interesting position. It's just I feel like everybody else sort of makes their own way. Whereas for wide receivers, you're counting on a lot to happen. Right. Yeah. yeah. The center has to snap. QB has to get it. Line has to block. The coverage has to be right. And a lot of the times as a receiver, you kind of know what your chances are of getting the football. So now you start thinking, all right, am I running my route for me? Am I running the route for my boy? Because if I'm not getting the ball, then I'm occupying a corner or holding the safety. So you got to be unselfish, too. That's why when when uh, receivers are divas, I wasn't like that. But I go, yeah, I kind of get it, man. <laughs> You're waiting on a lot to go right for you. Right. Yeah, yeah I think that's that's the explanation for and, and some guys you can tell that this kid just incredibly grounded and really has a great perspective. And, you know, he's talking about me or rookie. I'm like, dude, you're a number one pick yeah you know yeah. i mean he's that guy is and he's not a rookie anymore right at nope. this point nope. yeah you've played a pretty much a whole college season that's what my um my coaches tells all the time like four or five games into college season like you're not a freshman anymore like it's time yeah. for you to contribute um He's exceeded my expectations. I knew he was going to be a good ball player, but I looked at just the receiver room with DK and with Lockett, and then you factor in the tight ends. I go, man, there's not going to be a lot of footballs to go around. So I projected him around the high 400s, uh, 45 catches, 50 catches, and a couple touchdowns. He's already at 53 receptions, 541 yards, and three touchdowns. So it looks like he's on pace. He's going to have well over 600 yards, maybe even 700 yards if he goes off. And for him to slide right into this offense and uh, and start to grow, it's been fun to watch. I call him the gadget guy. Like, he should be the gadget guy, the guy who does the jet sweeps, who does the options, who does the screens and stuff, and allow DK and Tyler just to stretch the field and go across the middle. So it's it's fun watching Shane kind of figure out how to use these guys all together, too. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I don't remember this bump, but in the Dallas game, he had 11 targets, JS did. And seven catches, and then the other night, just four targets, caught all four of them, and one of them being the most important. But, yeah, he, and I you know, I was kind of going through previewing the game coming up this weekend, and I wouldn't be surprised to see, like, Tyler Lockett have a big game. He had nine targets, only three catches. Mm-hmm. But, man, you don't keep Tyler Lockett down, and it just seems like over the last few uh, few weeks. But that that's going to be – it's a good problem to have, right, because you've got DK. You mentioned the tight ends. Right. You want to get them involved. And then, and then you know, just to switch the, the topic a little bit, uh, but keep it on the offensive side – uh, Walker, our guy K9, man, that 
that guy, he he had a really good, not yeah. numbers wise necessarily, mm-hmm. but he was phenomenal as far as you know, just uh, finding some daylight and running to it. And his quick feet, his feet are so fast. So, yeah. There he is. Balance Big is crazy. Jake. What's up, Got Jake? The man, Jake Bobo joining us now here on the huddle. It says, yeah, man, uh, thanks for joining us, man. How you feeling? Absolutely. Sorry I'm late. Oh, it's all good. No, you, you're on time. We'll wait on you. So we had a texter uh, text in and said he met you at Safeway or she, and oh you were just a great person. So uh, I appreciate that. Text line texter. showing you some love, man. Show you some love. That. Man, you guys are deep into the season. This is yeah. longer than right. any college season that you've had. Uh, how's the body feeling? How's the mental? Body feels good. Um, you know, mental's great after uh, Monday night. Winning solves all. Um, so I'm good, man. Ready to attack these last three and then whatever we have after. Uh, what was that uh, like going through that week? We were talking about how Pete kind of started off the week and, you know, was kind of down. Everybody was kind of mm-hmm. down after yep. that fourth loss, and that's not something Pete has experienced. But you guys just got right back after it. Yeah. And, you know, getting at the at the end of that game where you kind of like, all right, now you, did you learn something about, like, hanging in there and just knowing that just put your head down and keep working? Yeah, 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 no doubt. Um, something's going to pop, especially with the talent on this team, um, the coaching we have on this team, the leadership we have on this team. Like you said, it starts at the top with, with Pete um, and how he rolls. The, you know, all four losses, it was, okay, we come in on Monday. Here's what we, you know, didn't do so well. Here's what we did well. Um, and let's go ahead and attack this week. And that's what happened. The rest of the, you know, rest of the days of the week were like, you know, we, you couldn't tell whether we were on a, uh, you know, four-game skid or, or a four-game winning streak. Um, so we knew at some point it was going to pop. Had a good feeling it was going to be Monday night. Um, but, yeah, good to get the W back in the win column. Um, yeah, ready to attack the last three. The, uh, the first drive of the second half, you guys came out, ran the football four times, mm-hmm. uh, got some screens involved. You got a screen. Uh, Charbonnet got a couple. You went back to the run. Did Shane come in at halftime and say, all right, let's get physical, fellas. Let's drive, establish the run, throw some screens, get things going, or was that just kind of the flow of the game? It was just flow of the game. Um, I mean, he has his game plan. We have the game plan. Um, you know, we wanted to get after those guys and, and you know, some of the inside zone stuff that we were doing, um, and, and you saw it pop on that drive. Um, we knew it was coming at some point. It was, you know, we were going to feature it at, at some point in the game uh just happened to be the the opening try of the second half but i had a pretty good feeling the uh the fellas up front they were hungry so we we're gonna go ahead and feed them on that yeah drive. we were just talking to jsn and he was talking about how when the ball's in the air sort of the anxiety that he gets that like you, you don't know whether you're gonna catch it or not what do you are you that kind of guy do you think through that because for me everything just happened in a blur and then yeah. i couldn't explain it but are you a guy that like think certain things when you know you're going to get the ball or the ball's in the air um i mean for me you say you just talked to jackson he said he gets anxiety when the ball's in the air <laughs> yeah it doesn't look like it um i'll tell you that no but for me i mean i'm a you know i'm an anxious guy pre-snap um pre-game um but as soon as you're in it i mean it, it quiets down you're just playing ball um so when the ball's in there you you know we've been doing this for so long um it's see ball get ball at yep. this point which is nice um, I was an undrafted guy too, so I, I had a pockets that some of these dudes had, and we, <laughs> yeah, used, to, right there with you. we used to go back to Cali, and all the homies are hitting me up for tickets and this and that and the third. I'm like, look, I don't know what y'all think I'm getting paid, but it ain't that. <laughs> no. So you're going back east now. Uh-huh. You getting hit up? You gotta you gotta buy some tickets or what's going on? Um, yeah, yeah. I, so we went to New York early. Mm-hmm. 
Baltimore, kind of right oh, there in the snaps. middle. You've been back there. So we've been back yeah. there. Um, but I've had a few of those moments. Yeah. Where, you know, you, you know, think of the NFL guys are making yeah. stupid money, which, you know. <laughs> Some are. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but I haven't hit too much of a uh, roadblock on that end. That's good. Yeah. I remember I bought tickets for my family, and my Uncle Jim gave me a hard time. I was like, nah, boy, that yeah, number 32 sure, sure ran you over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get no more tickets. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, how, how are we feeling going on the road? I mean, I, I feel like the road wins are so much fun. Yeah. I mean, the, the plane ride back, yeah, and exactly. I think the other thing about it is, like a home game, everybody goes their separate ways, uh-huh. but it's, it's kind of cool. Uh, and so going on the road, it seems like you guys have got that down, and yeah. you're kind of excited to go to Nashville? Yeah, no doubt. You, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's fun to go into, you know, somebody else's house and, and, and get a win um, as a group. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, Titans are a great team, um, have some questions at quarterback, but whoever they throw out there is, is you know, that's a tough, hard-nosed football team, reflection of their coach. Um, so it's going to be a battle, uh, but obviously, you know, like you said, go in there and get the W. It's definitely a lot more fun on the play ride back. All right, we're going to let you go, but uh, word on the street is you got a T-shirt line. Tell I us do. about it before you get about here. I do, I do. I got a... Uh, I put up a, a little bit of a website, just some of the more Bobo stuff. Um, I appreciate you plugging that because uh, sure. I definitely wasn't going to do it on my own. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I got, you know, a link in my, my Twitter bio, Instagram bio. So um, if Jake. you, you know, the off chance that you want my face on a T-shirt, go ahead and, you know, hit that. There you go. Jake, you need to promote your own I know, dude. I need to do a better job. You said you weren't going to do it. I need to do a better job. I know. Yeah. All right, we'll, we'll do it for you. We'll do it. <laughs> more Bobo. More Bobo. Check out his T-shirts, man. He'll be making plays all the rest of the year jake man we appreciate your time man. appreciate you guys all right that is it with jake bobo on the huddle when we return we got more to do on michael bumpus with dave wyman this, this is the huddle presented by hunt services and pacific lamp and supply every thursday from noon to two on seattle sports welcome back to the huddle i'm michael bumpus joined by dave wyman right now we're going to the podium let's hear from geno smith you know, what was that like watching the other game watching drew get that 19-yard drive for the win. Oh, that was awesome. Um, so excited for Drew. Uh, man, that was that was uh, really cool to see just him in that moment. Um, you know, and for all the guys, really, um, that was a big win for us. Uh, big, big-time game, Monday Night Football against a really good team. You know, I thought Drew played really well throughout the game, and then, you know, for him to close it out the way he did, for all the guys to make the plays the way they did, man, I was, uh, I was just so happy, man. I couldn't, you know, it was... <laughs> One of those nights where you'll remember for the rest of your life, man, just seeing him in that moment and just the way that he handled all that um, was real cool to see. He talked after the game about the way you guys have always supported each other going back to when you are competing for the starting job last year. What's that relationship been like between you two? Um, it's been great. Uh, you know, Drew is a guy who, um, over the course of the time we've been together, man, we've developed a real good friendship, a real good bond. Uh, we've gotten to know each other. Um, we even worked out together in the off season. So um, that's something that, um, you know, I appreciate just being here, um, the QB room, uh, the way that we all are together. Uh, with Shane and Tater and, you know, Coach Olsen and Kerry, uh, Sean Mannion, you know, Holton when he was here, Brett Rippon, just any, you know, all the guys, man, they they make it special. You know, they make it special. We're collective. We're, we're always together. We're working together. And uh, we're all pulling from one another, no matter who's out there playing. So uh, I think that's just an, another example of that. What was it like for you when he's out there, he looks over at you, he's smiling, you guys have that moment that's calling cameras and kind of reveling in that when, when it happens? 
Shoot, man, uh, just a ton of excitement. You know, just I'm excited for him, uh, being excited that, you know, we just got the lead in the game. Um, just a ton of excitement. You know, that was his little deal back in Missouri. Uh, I talked to him about that, you know, a, couple, uh, a year ago, and I was like, man, that was a cool celebration. And I was like, next time you throw a touchdown, you know, you got to do it, and, you know, we'll all do it. And so uh, it was great for it to happen in that moment. And um, like I said, man, I'm super proud, super excited for him uh, and all the guys, man. That was a special night. Pete said it was gut-wrenching to tell you you weren't going to play. I guess what 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 was that all like, that, that kind of that process? Yeah, it was uh, it was tough. It was tough, you know, um, just preparing myself and doing everything that I possibly can to be ready to play, feeling like I was ready to play, um, you know, expecting to go out there and play, and then, um, you know, coach making that decision. Um, you know, it's, we got to live with it. And uh, obviously I was hurt by it. You know, I want to go out there and compete. I want to play um, any chance that I get. But I do understand that he's got to make the decision for the team and um, also for, my, for me, you know, to kind of protect me from myself at times. So uh, it was, you know, had to deal with it and, and move on and go out there and support the guys. So that was my main focus once I learned that, you know, I wouldn't be able to play. How did you deal with it? How did you deal with it? In that interim between him telling you and when you decided to come out and be a teammate what was how long was that interim and what, what were you thinking uh, I wasn't really counting but um you shoot man I was just trying to you know come to the grips with the fact that I wouldn't be able to play um it's always gonna hurt it hurt you know I always told you guys man anytime that I wasn't able to go out there all those years uh it hurt me you know it hurt me because I felt like I was ready and so that was no different um you know I, I want to be a part of this team I want to help this team and contribute and uh be a part of the wins and so you know for me not to be able to go play I mean obviously you know as a as a as a competitor you know you're hurt by it but as a teammate you got to put your pride to the side put those things to the side ego to the side and go out there and do whatever you can to help the team in another role so that's you know kind of what I did how did that workout go for you? Like, how did you feel coming out of it? Did you, were you maybe even better than you thought you were going to be at that point, kind of working through it and, and trying to get ready? Uh, I, I actually expected it. You know, I expected to be ready uh, because of the amount of work I put in. You know, I talked to you guys about that, about, you know, the early mornings and the late nights. And um, I think that helps me, you know, recover faster. And uh, so I expected to be ready to play. And um, like I said, you know, coach made a decision and uh, that was that. But, um, you know, I was I was doing everything I can to be ready and, you know, just as I always do. So it was no different there. Certainly you'd rather be on the field, but what do you learn when you were in a position to help coach or help teach or be the second set of eyes for somebody? You know, I've been in that role before, so, uh, you know, it was kind of natural for me, and I was able to just go out there and, um, you know, be the second eyes for Drew, like you said, and, um, you know, help him see some things on the field, talk him through some scenarios, and um, really just give him some confidence, you know, give him some love, let him know that, uh, you know, he's playing great and that the opportunity is going to come for him to go out there and make it happen, and uh, that's what he did. Do you think you appreciate a little more everything Drew's going through because of the journey your career's taken? Oh, without a doubt. You know, without a doubt. I know exactly, you know, not exactly, but, you know, I kind of know what he feels. And um, I know he wants to be out there competing as well. And, uh, you know, your opportunities come when they come, and you got to be ready for them. And I think he did a great job being ready. How are you feeling this week now? I feel pretty good. Still getting better. Yes, sir. Do you think you're going to play Sunday? I would hope so. When you look at this Titans defense then, what stands out most in the numbers? Yeah, I think, um, you know, just overall watching them, um, you, you look at uh, the guys up front. You know, they got a bunch of sacks. Uh, Danico Archery, I think that's how you say his name, uh, already got 11 sacks. Um, you got uh, Simmons in there, who's uh, one of the best interior guys in the league. I think Harold, Harold Landry's, um, you know, starting to get you know better and better each week coming off an injury. 
Um, you know the mindset of their coach and Mike Vrabel, um, defensive-minded coach, tough guy. So um, they're going to follow suit. And so they got guys all across the board that can make plays, a bunch of different packages. Um, they mix the looks, multiple looks, multiple coverages. And, um, you know, they really play hard uh, throughout the game. So um, another great challenge for us uh, on the road. You know, I've played in Tennessee once before early in my career, so I know how that is. And so um, just got to be prepared for that and, you know, just ready to handle all the noise and, um, you know, be prepared to handle the rush and then go out there and get the ball out. What, do you, uh, what, were you, what are you able to do now maybe physically that, you know, couldn't get you cleared on, on Sunday or, excuse me, on Monday? Uh, I'm not sure. I, you know, I, I felt the same Monday that I do now. With Jackson, two of his touchdowns are game winners now on the year. He's obviously played in some big games at Ohio State previously, but what's kind of made him be ready for, for moments like that from, from your standpoint? Yeah, I think... Um you know, initially what you spoke on, you know, playing at Ohio State, playing in a bunch of big games and uh, being dominant in those big games, you know, being the key factor in those games. So he expects to make those plays when the game's on the line. And I think um, just, you know, from knowing him for the short time I've known him, um, the confidence he has in his ability, um, his understanding of the game, his cool, calm, collected demeanor, uh, and just the way that he goes out there and competes every single time. Um, when his opportunity comes, he's ready for it and he makes the play. And that's, you know, that's all you can ask from a guy like that. Um, he's a special player, as I've always said, and uh, he's just getting better and better each week. All right, that was Geno Smith, your quarterback. When we return, man, we're going to go into the trenches with Ray Roberts. This, this is the huddle. Every Thursday from noon to 2. Presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Let's go in. The huddle. Welcome back to the huddle. Michael Bumpus with Dave Wyman. Uh, now we are joined by the big homie, that dude, 72. What's up, Big Ray? You are a big dog. How you doing? You know, just uh, in the uh, Cortez Kennedy booth, doing some radio with my <laughs> man Wyman, dude. Um, let's get let's get right into the trenches, man, because I've, uh, I've been wondering uh, your thoughts on this, man. Abe Lucas has been back for three games now. Uh, 50% of the snaps the first game, 80-something percent the second game. I believe he played every snap on offense this game. Um, have you seen any uh, transformation with the offensive line, or, or do you feel like it's just plugging and playing and, and things are still moving the same? No, I'm I'm excited that they have both Bradford and uh, Big A playing next to each other uh, so that they can get that chemistry down because they are two big, powerful dudes that can move the pile. They can, uh, when they come in, when they work on double teams, the, whoever they're blocking gets uh, smashed. And then when they're working one-on-one, they do a really good job. So, I think Abe uh, brings also the physicality and just the the mentality to the offensive line that they've missed. Uh, this, it's a pretty quiet offensive line. It's not a whole lot of outspoken dudes, and Abe is not one uh, that way either. But if you're around Abe, you can feel his presence, and his presence is kind of a kick-ass kind of a presence, and they needed that on the offensive line. I love that, Ray. I, he, we interviewed him the other day. We asked him about the Pac-12, and uh, and the first thing out of his mouth, he goes, well, Larry Scott's an idiot. <laughs> you know, I mean, that dude, yeah, he will he will tell you what's what. He's a very serious guy. Um, I, I love that about him. I love his personality. It looks like he doesn't take any crap off of anybody. Um, sounds like a big number 72 that I used to play with back in the day. But, um, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, to me, Dave, it's like uh, it's that time of the year, man, where the table is set, and it's time for the big dogs to eat. You know, this at this time of the year, teams that start to run the ball well, 
uh, teams that start to dominate the offensive line, I mean the line of scrimmage, whether it's on the defensive side or the offensive side, are the teams that have uh, what you guys would call momentum going into the uh, What you guys would say. And the teams that run the ball well uh, tend to, to go further in the playoffs. Maybe they haven't run it well all season long, but around this time of the year, when they start to kind of dominate the line of scrimmage, in a physical way, that's when they start. Those are the teams that do damage in the playoffs. Hey, Ray, I thought the other thing, you know, that we didn't really notice the offensive line in the Philly game. And that, I mean, shoot, there wasn't a sack. I think, I think um, our guy Drew Locke got sacked twice, but there wasn't a sack till like the third quarter. I mean, I, I thought everything looked really good. And, and it seems like, um, you know, just talk a little bit about K um, nine and his, his uh, running. I mean, his feet are phenomenal how quickly yeah. he moves those feet, but it seems like the offensive lines try sort of kind of getting his running style. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Dave, because uh, just watching the film and just watching the last couple, you know, the last game and a half, uh, I think it was important for K-9 and the offensive line for their styles to match. Yeah. Uh, because you had this big physical offensive line that's more of a downhill, uh, you know, kind of uh, in-your-face kind of offensive line. You had this running back that was kind of his his uh, skill set is to kind of – it's kind of like a little – June bug. He just bounces all around, all over the place. And so for this offense to work, there has to be a physicality to it. And so the last game and a half, K-9 has brought that, even though he's not the biggest dude in the world. But when he gets downhill, when he goes north and south, and he gets to the second level before he starts to do, uh, you know, making people miss and bouncing things to the outside and all those kinds of things, he is a much more effective runner. Like, it's, it's cool to see when he cuts a, the the ball all the way back to the backside, reverses field and all that kind of stuff. But that cannot be every single play. Every single running play cannot be a home run. It can't be a highlight film. Sometimes you have to get the yards that are there. And he's done a much better job of getting the yards that are there. It kind of matches the, the tempo and the temperament of the offensive line better. And I think you've seen the offensive line uh, run the ball better. And then I'm telling you, Dave, we talked about this a little bit in the pregame last week is that uh, just like when, when you start the game and you're trying to feed the, the different run, the, the different receivers and kind of get them into the flow of the game, running the football gets offensive linemen into the flow of the game. Mm-hmm. Not if you come out and throw it the first five times. That doesn't do it. But if you come out and you run the ball you know, a couple times, you get a long drive going, you sustain the drive, and, and you're running the football, as an offensive lineman, you get your mindset into the game in a way that's different than when you're, when you're just dropping back and throwing it 30 or 40 times a game. You know what, real quick, Ray, I, as a linebacker, I hated it when – I remember we played the Oilers and they had that run and shoot. And, like, the first two and a half series, it was all pass. It was all pass. Yeah. And, you know, and I didn't, I didn't hit anybody for, like, eight minutes <laughs> of the game. And you're right, man. I mean, it, it just – like it just feels and you know i mean you're hitting people when you're pass blocking but it's more it's more passive man you you want to be aggressive yeah. well i mean when i played in in detroit you know we us we had barry and we practiced you know all week this is what how we're going to run the ball with barry and then we had uh, sly crooms who was our offensive coordinator and uh sylvester crooms and uh there's a few games where we start the game out throwing the ball 
or we start the game out running to the right side. So then I'm chasing backside <laughs> linebackers and safeties the whole time. And so I would go to the sideline and get on the phone, and, and I'd go, hey, Sly, like, I'm really trying to play today. Like, let, <laughs> let me play football today. Like, I, like, I'm not a track star. I can't run with those freaking little dudes that wear the, the 50 and below numbers. So let me hit some of these big number dudes. Can you, can you run the ball to the left side just a couple times? You know, because it kind of gets you, it gets you grooved into the game. So I feel like the 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 way that he's running the ball, getting downhill, running between the tackles, and and then the way it matches with what the the offensive line does well in the running game, I think that is that is the 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 magic that's going to keep this offense going. Yeah, we we spoke to Jake Bobo, man, and I asked him about the that first drive of the second half. I go, man, did did Shane just say, look, we're going to run that thing because K nine had four carries. Uh, Charbonnet had two couple screens and then K9 scores again. Uh, I would imagine uh, that was intentional getting, getting these guys going up. What did you think about that drive? Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, I, I noticed that when they came out, you know, and it was just a different energy. It was, a, I, I think maybe going into the game with the, uh, with the, the skill and the rotation that, that Philadelphia had on the defensive line, maybe they were trying to like, I don't want to say they're intimidated by that, but they're trying to figure out what to do with it. And then they just figured out, like, you know what? We can just run the ball right at them. They haven't stopped anybody in two weeks running the ball. So let's just get right at them. And that's what they did. It, they do a really good job. You know, Dave, I heard you talking uh, yesterday about uh, the pin and pull. Like, you know, when, you, when you're, you're, you were pulling the backside guard or the backside tight end. And, uh, and they've done a really good job with that. Uh, in the San Francisco yeah. game, I thought that, uh, that Damian Lewis is a little bit off on his, on his traps. But this game, he was doing a good job getting inside out, blocking the defender out, and then the, and then K nine was getting right up the field, and then putting his jukes on the linebackers. And so, to me, that's a good formula for this offensive line for the offense. You can use a play action pass a little bit better. And even though people say play action pass works without a good running game, well, it works even better if you have a good running game. So it, there's there's benefit to all of it. All right, Big Ray, man, we appreciate your time as always, man. I look forward to uh, kicking it on Sunday and breaking this game down. Yes, sir. Let them big dogs eat, baby. <laughs> Let them eat. <laughs> See, right? More to do when we get back. We're going to holler at the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. That is next right here on The Huddle. This, this is The Huddle. Huddle. Presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on Seattle Sports. Welcome back to The Huddle. I'm Michael Bumpus with Dave Wyman. And now we are joined by the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. Raves, how are we doing today? Great. Happy holidays to you guys. Thank you. And to you too, sir. Um, sitting here with, with your guy, Dave Wyman, breaking down what happened last week and what we think is going to happen this week. Uh, my first question is last week, um, uh, about last week. When, when Drew Locke was under center at the eight-yard line, uh, what were your probabilities that he was going to be able to drive this team down the field and score the game with a touchdown? You know, I, I, I have heard the replay of a couple of those uh, pass completion calls. And as I remember, and, and you can ask Dave, there's not a lot that I remember from literally from series to series, game to game, month to month. It's, you know, when you get this, you, you, it just it, things get foggy. Anyway, I think I remember kind of setting the, the scene in, in exactly that way that, okay, here we go, like 142 left to play, 92 yards to cover. Uh, field goal won't do it. Got to be a touchdown. Sort of set it all up, and then here we go. 
Uh, and then DK has his three catches uh, out of his five total in that drive. And, of course, one big one and then the big one to the end zone. It, it was it was just remarkable. And I've heard this on, on the air a couple of times now. There's been a promotion, uh, a promo with Brock Heward talking about the power of belief. And, you know, that really stuck with me when I heard Brock say that after the fact, that that is exactly what it is. These guys just did not stop believing that they could win that football game. And then it also turned it over to the defense to make the big play at the very end on the interception by Julian uh, to cap it. So it was just a remarkable Monday night. I was so darn tired when I got home. I mean, my sides hurt from yelling, and, um, and my throat was a mess, and it was all worth it. When the whole uh, drive started, Rabel looked at me and goes, we're screwed. <laughs> I, 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 that's what I remember anyway. I'm kidding. I, I don't remember that, Dave. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, it was – It was. I guess, you know, Rabes, I, I would say I'm the same way. Like, you call the game. Like, I have to write down things as they happen because you call the game and then all of a sudden it starts to, you know, wait, was this in the first quarter or the fourth quarter or whatever? But I remember thinking that, hey, we, we got a chance here. The way that Drew was playing – and the way he had played last week, I felt like he gave you a good reason to think that that could happen. And, and I, that's that's the uh, remarkable thing, I think, about him, you know, having kind of spotty starts here and there. But then, you know, he finds out pretty late in San Francisco that he's going to be the starter. And so, yeah, I f- kind of felt like he was, he was going to handle it. Now, I don't know if I thought, oh, he's going to go down easy, you know, 92 yards, whatever. But, I mean, that was – the. I, I would say we were pretty hopeful based on the fact that um, just what we had seen from, from Drew Locke. Yeah, and, and you know something else, and Dave, you know this uh, as a player. When you know that you have uh, a, a guy like Drew who has been the backup all season and who is now you know thrust into that starting role, Drew obviously has a, a lot of support from the coaching staff. They're preparing him well. <clears throat> he practiced well. He's got Geno on the sidelines to help him out. But the rest of those guys on the field were not going to let him fail. So you look at that catch, that, that slant route that, that, uh, that DK caught, down on the ground, uh, pinned it against his hip with his left hand. He was just not going to allow his quarterback to fail in that situation. He was going to make every play. And every one of those guys, the guys up front on offense, giving Drew time to throw the football. And the, the running backs who helped get him to that position. I, I, again, you know, I'm just so happy for the guys, as, as I know all of us are, because we get to know these guys, and you appreciate them, and you know when you've been there how hard a job that is, how hard a work they put into that to win that game. So um, Drew did what Drew does, and he got a lot of help from the guys uh, to get there. And ultimately, it, it was from, I think, that message from Pete that, you know, there's nothing beyond our reach that uh, if you believe we can get there, you just got to play one play better for one play longer. Well, let's talk about this week, Rabes. Um, I look at this matchup, and obviously you have D. Henry over there offensively. Um, their defensive line has been pretty good this year. Uh, what do you think about this matchup and, and how the Hawks stack up against the Titans? Well, I just got off the phone, in fact, when you guys called with some guys in Nashville, radio station there, and they were really lamenting their offensive line. They said, you know, we got a mess up front offensively. Well, you know, we were in that same position last year with two rookies starting. They got two rookies who were starting on the left side 
Uh, one of them is a first-round draft choice. One is a sixth-round draft choice. So it's been a little difficult. They're on their third center uh, of the season. So it's been they've been a little uh, in some in some uh, upheaval uh, up front offensively. And now you throw a, a rookie quarterback behind them, uh, who's played the last portion of the season, although he may not play this week. And so you go back to Ryan Tannehill, who's a veteran of of a dozen years, and that guy can play. And then go ultimately to, as you said, King Henry. Uh, Derek Henry is. They're kind of saying down in Tennessee, this is the end for him. He's, he's you know, on borrowed time. He's a free agent at the end of the season. The Titans are probably not going to sign him back. And, uh, and you know, the last game that they played, he didn't look very good. I mean, he, he just looked slow getting to the line of scrimmage. That's the time that you really buckle down and prepare because this guy can still bring it. He, he's the guy who rushed for 182 yards against us a few years ago. So I put nothing past him. Defensively, they're missing maybe their best guy up front, Jeffrey Simmons. I don't think he's going to play um, their defensive lineman. He's a good one. But they're, they're talented, as every team is in the league. So the Seahawks are not going to be able to sit around and think, wow, what a great game we played on Monday night. No, it's, it's, they're already into the Tennessee preparation. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm glad you brought up the offensive line raves because they've been sacked 50 times. They're, they're three quarterbacks and whatever combination they have there. And, you know, when you look at that's that's up there top of the league as far as if you look at like Howell from uh, the commanders, I think he's been sacked 50 times or more. But our offensive line, you know, the one thing I said, Steve, I, I felt like we didn't really notice him. I mean, we didn't Drew didn't get sacked until the second half. And, you know, we had that uh, that sort of pulling guard motion with uh, Damian Lewis. And he was clearing the path. I mean, I felt like that. And maybe that's the best thing that you can say about an offensive line is you didn't really notice them. But uh, I feel like that might be an advantage because they definitely give up sacks. And uh, and I feel like our offensive line is rolling right now. Exactly. We didn't, it didn't have, as I remember, didn't have any uh, full start penalties on offensive linemen. I know our tight end kind of chipped in on that a couple of times. But, yeah, uh, that's right. They, they, the line, I, I thought, played really well against the Eagles. And as you know, as you guys know, that, that front four of the Eagles is pretty formidable. They're tough. And they got a bunch of high-round draft choices, first choices up there. They have linebackers who can run all over the field, make plays. So I thought they handled that really well. I mean, there were a couple times. I remember Bradford at one point kind of whiffed a little bit on uh, – on, oh, uh, yeah. just got poor drew got hammered uh yeah. just as he got rid of the football but jalen carter um, yeah yeah oh it was carter you're right it was and you know jalen carter's going to bash a lot of people before his career is over so uh that that's that's something that you're you know don't lose any sleep over that one but I, you're right they just played well as did the entire offense and then handed to the defense you know you're holding holding a team like the eagles to 17 points and you're picking uh picking hurts off twice thank you julian um, just, just a great all-around game. All right, Raves, man. Uh, we appreciate your time. You enjoy that nice long flight to Nashville, man. Make sure you get some sleep, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Well, if Dave brings my Christmas present, we'll have a lovely flight. <laughs> I got Christmas and New Year's covered this, this trip. <laughs> great. Thanks, yeah. pal. All right, right, buddy. Take care, Raves. See you. All right, when we return, we'll get an opponent preview from Ben Arthur. He is the AFC South reporter for Fox Sports. That's next right here on The Huddle. This this is The Huddle. Presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on Seattle Sports. 
Welcome back to the Huddle. We are now joined by Ben Arthur, the AFC South reporter for Fox Sports. Ben, how are you doing today? Doing well. How are you? We're good, man. We are good. Before I ask you specifics about this matchup, man, I got to ask you, how fire did you think those, those uniforms were last week, man? Those were, I'd say they're right behind the Seahawks throwbacks, man. Yeah, the, the Oilers throwbacks are, are nice, and, and, and it was actually the second time they'd uh, worn them this season. And, and, and yeah, j- just love it, that, that, that tone of blue with, with the red. And, you know, pe- people here in Nashville had been kind of wanting that for, for years and years. Uh, and so to, to see it kind of come to fruition that, you know, that they're wearing it uh, two times this season, it's been really cool to see. Like, uh, as you said, the Seahawks, throwbacks are fire too but honestly i think i like the oilers throwbacks just a little bit more i'd probably put them at one and then the seahawks throwbacks at number two i ain't mad at that my very first throwback jersey was a worn moon oilers jersey back in the oh yeah the 2000s so yeah i got a soft spot for him but let's uh let's talk some football man um the titans yeah. you guys are, are are an interesting team man watching a lot of film on you guys um obviously you have d hop on the outside derrick henry struggled a little bit the last couple weeks um what do you think is going on there is it just teams uh loading up the box is it him just having an off week what do you see in the run game yeah i think the, the biggest thing is just kind of p- personnel and being like the, the deficiencies on the offensive line. Like they just don't have an, an offensive line that, that's very competitive. I mean, they've, they've had injuries, but, but then I just think from a talent standpoint up front, they just haven't been very good. It's impacted Will Levis's uh, process and, and a big reason why he's hurt and, and kind of uncertain for this game is uh, – you know, because of that ankle injury he suffered against the Texans last week because the, the Titans couldn't protect him. He was sacked seven times in that game. The, the O-line is giving – they're like third worst in, in pressure rate allowed. And then in the run game, too, it's been really a steady decline in run blocking for the Titans over, over the last several years. And, and, yeah, maybe Derrick Henry isn't exactly the same player he was a few years ago, like when he ran – when he rushed for, for 2000, but uh, his his efficiency has also taken a hit because the O line just isn't as good as it used to be. And so I think a lot of their issues and the Titans have a lot of issues. Don't get me wrong, but, but I think offensively um, it, it really starts with the offensive line and, and kind of the issues they've had at tackle and, and, and at guard. Yeah, it's all about those big boys, man. We we feel you over here in Seattle because there's been a, some shuffling going on on that offensive line, man. You mentioned Will Levis. Um, again, breaking him down, watching film. He's completing, what, 59% of his passes, 1,700 yards. We'll see if he plays this week. It sounds doubtful. But uh, what are the vibes on, on Levis over there in, in Tennessee, man? I think um, I appreciate his game. I see the potential in, the, in this young man. But what do the fans feel and what does the organization feel about Levis? Yeah, I think the expectations are, are really they're, they're really high for him, and I think there's a lot of optimism of what he can be. I think he's shown several flashes that he could be the guy, like a, a franchise long-term quarterback for, for this franchise. I mean, it's you see it in, in the toughness, the, the competitiveness, the fieriness, which I think we've all seen like videos of just how – how just amped up he gets after a big play. But 
I think for one, he's really shown up in big moments. Like he had his best game of his career to this point against the Dolphins on Monday night football against you know, a Dolphins team in contention for the AFC's number one seed and to have his best game of his career to that point. Uh, I think it said a lot about him in his first career start. Uh, I think we all remember he had you know four touchdown passes, just kind of lit the world on fire after kind of starting the season as QB3 in, in Tennessee. So he's a guy who, who kind of seems to rise uh, to the occasion. Uh, he's extremely tough. Uh, I, I know the Titans have been harping on him to kind of do a better job of protecting himself, and that's kind of gotten him in some trouble. And, and the O-line has kind of impacted that too, but, but there have been instances where you would like to see him slide instead of, kind of lowering the shoulder. Uh, but I think overall uh, it's been really promising. And then you just think about what he can be when, once you do improve that old line and, and you get him another receiver too with uh, all the cap space they have, like they lead the league in cap space for 2024 as of right now. And they have some draft picks too. So uh, I think with all of that considered, plus the flashes he's shown this season, uh, a lot people here in Nashville, I think, are really, really excited uh, for for what he can be. That's awesome. Um, I'm excited for him too, man. I underestimated him, but when you turn on the film, there's no denying what he brings to the to the table. Let's talk about a veteran, man. D. Hop, man, five time Pro Bowler, three time All Pro guy. Um, he's on pace for his seventh 1,000 yard season. Uh, what do you make of his play this year, and um, why is he still so special, man? I watch him; he's still moving like a young man. Yeah, no, D-Hop has been great uh, for this Titans team. Uh, I think there was kind of a lot of, um, there was kind of like cautious optimism for for people here just because they have been burned by those veteran receivers who've maybe been great in the past, but they're kind of closer to the tail end of their career. Like Julio Jones ended up being a disaster for them. Robert Woods didn't pan out well and, and so I think a lot of people didn't really know what to expect, but D hop, as you said, I mean, he's, he's still shown that he's an elite caliber receiver um, over the last several weeks. We've seen his rapport with Will Levis really grow. Um, they've kind of gotten on the same page uh, over time. And I just think his play style is just, uh, has maybe enabled enabled him to still be effective at this point in his career. Like he doesn't, he, he plays really smart. He, he doesn't take, uh, you know, a lot of big hits. He gets out of bounds when he needs to. Um, he, he's not Tyler Lockett in, in any way. Like they're, they're not really similar at all, but I just think in terms of being able to protect themselves and, and and then from Hopkins' standpoint, he, he still has just amazing hands. Like, I don't think that ever goes away. And and, and the catch radius and, and, and all those kind of natural instincts haven't gone away. And so I think that's why, even though he's in his 30s at this point, why he's still been so good. And, and honestly, he's been their most reliable uh, receiver. And so he's just gotten the targets, too, like Traylon Burks, a former first-round pick, uh, just hasn't lived up to expectations. And then beyond him, they don't really have a lot of talent in that room. So D hop has been getting a lot of targets, but because of, I think all those things I just said, he has still been very, very good at this point in his career. 
Yeah, the last thing to go are the hands, man. Everything else will go before them hands. So uh, it doesn't surprise me that D-Hop is doing his thing. Uh, let's talk about these numbers a little bit because, you know, during like the first four weeks of a season, you say, all right, these are the numbers, but my team is either better or worse than these numbers because it's hard to really judge a team out the first four weeks, right? Then you get, you get deeper into the season. You say, okay, this is who we are. But I look at the Seahawks and the Titans when it comes to total defense, total offense, and I go, all right, in, in some areas they are playing better than what the numbers show. What would you say is the best part of this Titans team so far? Ooh, the best part. I would – I go to the the defensive front and and the pass rush. The the pass rush has been probably the Titans' number one attribute for the last few seasons, and it hasn't – granted, it hasn't been as consistent this year for for a variety of reasons. Um, And and Jeffrey Simmons, even, he's questionable uh, to kind of play this week. He's one of the best D tackles in football. Um, and so they've kind of had injury issues, but, but I think all in all, the pass rush is kind of, it's been when the pass rush is on, they usually win games. Like, and, and I, I, these last few weeks, we have kind of seen that pass rush play to its standard more that they're, they do have a lot of money dedicated up front. I mean, Jeffrey Simmons is the totality of his contract is 90 million plus. Harold Landry is making 80 million plus. Danico Autry, he's you know in his 30s, but he has 11 sacks on the year. Um, this Titans team is still very much, I think, built around that D line and the ability to generate pressure. Uh, and so I think that's been maybe probably their their most consistent calling card. I mean, I think traditionally we've known it to be the run game and Derrick Henry, but because of O-line issues, we haven't really seen that. And, and, and the O-line obviously impacts the process of what you can do in the passing game too. And then just defensively, the Titans have had a lot of secondary issues over the last couple of years. But I, I think the constant has been uh, what like the upside of, of kind of like the pass rush and being able to disrupt opposing quarterbacks. And, um, and so I would say, that's probably the thing that can, you know, beat the Seahawks uh, for Tennessee is is if uh, they get what four or five plus sacks. Um, I think that's kind of their path to winning. All right, I'll be looking for that matchup, Ben. He is Ben Arthur, the uh, AFC South reporter for Fox Sports. Ben, we appreciate your time. Have a good week. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right, coming up next, we'll get a visit from John Boyle. That is next, right here on the Huddle. This is the Huddle, presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Every Thursday from noon to two on Seattle Sports. Welcome back to the Huddle, Michael Bumpus with Dave Wyman, and we're joined now by John Boyle, one of the best writers in all the land, representing Blanchett High School. What's up, John? Hey, there you go. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, great game! I, you know, for those of you who don't know, Boyle and I sit in the press box, and in the press box, there is protocol. You cannot cheer. You can't get loud. You're supposed to be professional. That's why I leave in the fourth quarter. I yeah. go down you to can't, the, You can't be there for the finish. I, I'm just like, look, especially in tight games like that, I go to the Verizon Wireless Lounge and get ready for the show, and I'm there going nuts. You man. look out the window from the end zone? Yeah. 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 So I had a nice nice little view of the last drive. Uh, what did you make of Drew Locke's performance on Monday? 
I mean, that last drive was phenomenal. It, you know, look, it, the offense took a little while to get clicking. It, you know, it was a tough start with a you know, false start the first play of the game. You have a negative six-yard run on the next drive. So it took the offense a while to get going, but when they really needed it, you know, they looked great to start the third quarter, and then they needed a big drive to end it. And I thought just the composure Drew Locke showed and made some big-time throws there, especially, you know, the big one to DK, and then obviously the game winner to JSN, whereas hey, we got one-on-one, I'm going to trust my guy to make a play, and he did. So really cool. I mean, that's all you can ask out of a backup quarterback to come in and you know not just play well enough to keep you in the game, but to win it. Right. Especially a 92-yard drive. Yeah. Gosh, I mean, just, one time out, which they end up even using. That was, I thought that was funny after the game to realize for all the consternation of using the timeouts early, they finished the game with one in their pocket still. But, yeah, I mean, 92 yards with less than two minutes left. That's not an easy thing to do at all. I'm glad you pointed that out. I, I forgot about that. Yeah, I didn't, they, it was way after the game that I even noticed that. I was like, yeah. wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, because I that. thought, oh, man, they I wish they had so more. Yeah, we all, yeah. Th- we're all thinking that. Like, you right. you got one time out at the end of a game, you think you're going to need them. Hey, what about the relationship between those two guys? I think some people maybe don't buy it because it's like, hey, you want to be on the field, but you can be want to be on the field and still support the guy um, ahead of you. And, uh, you know, and I thought when they had the, the competition a couple of years ago that I thought Gina would be a better – I don't think he would be as good of a supporter of Drew if he was the starter and or um, as it would be the other way around. But it seems to work both ways. It yeah. seems like no matter what, those two guys, they seem to really care about each other. Yeah, it's they've built a really cool relationship of like you said, it goes back to when they started competing for that job together. Like I remember that <clears throat> whatever it was August when before it was decided, both guys were asked about it and they said, you know, I want to be the starter. I won this job. But if I'm not, I'm going to go support the other guy. And that's going to be what I do. Um, and I think, you know, we actually talked to Gino Smith about this today in his press conference. And I, I think he's in a unique position to really understand what Drew's going through because he's a guy like Drew Locke, second round pick, got a chance to start earlier in his career and then kind of got stuck in this backup role and had to fight his way back for a long time. So he knows a lot of what Drew Locke is experiencing right now. So I think it's a little easier for him to, you know, in that game, just really cheer him on and be super supportive of him without any thought of like, oh, is this guy coming for my job? Is there going to be like, I don't think he was thinking that at all. He's just, hey, I'm, I'm happy for my teammate and my friend. Yeah. And I think the roles are established, right? I, yeah, I, I mean, it's you're the one you're the I, two. I get like fans are going to have yeah. their opinions. But like Pete's been very clear all along. Yeah. Like when Gino's healthy, he's he's the guy. I think say there's the, the days where it was just DK and Lockett as the number one and number two, that third receiver spot was probably like everybody fighting for it. Um, you have that feeling, but I think it's a little different with, with the QBs and with the receivers now. We know who the one, two, the three is. Um, yeah, so this week, man, the Tennessee Titans, you know, they, they were really disrespectful last week. Yeah. They I wore saw. their Houston Oilers uniforms like against the Houston Texans. I did not like that at all. Yeah. As, as they a, look good, but I'm like, come as on. someone from it. a city who had a team relocate, you know, like, yeah. imagine if like Oklahoma City came here we're in songs here. exactly like people to write and you know the, the the pr whoever makes that decision they sit down and say yeah oh that was not a one. yeah that's not a coincidence uh-huh. like oh it happened to work out this way that's like yeah. we are gonna wear that in houston yeah, yeah i didn't like it have you watched um now we'll see if will levis plays this week uh-huh but i was pleasantly surprised when i watched the film on this dude yeah um obviously he makes some rookie mistakes he's a rookie he's gonna do mm-hmm. that but physically he's a lot better than i thought he was gonna be yeah i mean big strong athletic dude with just i mean the the book coming out on him was just the cannon of an arm and it showed up sometimes guys can chuck it a mile but they can't actually play quarterback but he's he's shown he's he's a pretty darn good player yeah Yeah, we'll see if he plays it sounds like there's a decent chance it's Tannehill this week but they they seem to have found a pretty good one yep
he needs to cut it with the putting their shoulder down and stuff like that. He's going to run into Dre Greenlaw at some point. <laughs> yeah. Or, or some some such linebacker. I mean, okay, it was kind of a novelty there for a while, but you can't get away. Yeah, whenever you see quarterbacks doing that in the NFL, you're like, look, you might be a big, strong dude, but some you're going to run into somebody bigger and stronger right. pretty yeah. quick in this league. So, yeah, he'll, he'll learn that lesson, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, where does that rank, that catch? Uh, I mean, you know, in Seahawk football, the time you've been covering, uh, I thought the amazing part was the how he caught the back half yeah. of the football. It was just getting the legs in was just as, as complicated, I think. But yeah, I'm I mean, trying to think everything of, about that, he's, you know, that ball over the shoulder is hard to track, as I'm sure Bump can tell us. And yeah. it's raining. He's looking up into the rain. And it's just like you said, I mean, it wasn't like an easy, it fell softly into his hands. Like, he was full extension, caught the back half of the ball with his fingertips. That's, that's a damn good play, especially given the circumstance. I mean, you don't catch that ball, there's a good chance you lo- I mean, they saw another down, but there's a good chance you lose that game and your playoff hopes are almost over. The two guys we had in here probably had the, have the two best catches. Remember against Arizona, yeah. Bobo. Bobo yeah. had the crazy one. Yeah. He had the one that was up on the screen there during yeah. the commercial break. And, yeah, pretty amazing. You got those those two guys. Because I'm thinking about, like, Tyler Lockett when he had the toe tap. Right. In the Thursday night football. Yeah, the, against the Rams. Rams. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, that's got to be up one of the all-timers. Yeah, yeah, especially given the stakes. I mean, if this team can go on a run, win three in a row, and they make the playoffs, like, that catch will go down in Seahawks lore. Yeah. yeah. A big game tonight. Rams versus the Saints. Yeah, I haven't figured out who to root for in that one. Like, right. I, I, it's weird. There's I, too many scenarios. I'm kind of in the mind. I get it's fun to look at all the scenarios, but I'm kind of in the mindset of like, give me the week 18 and tell me what needs to happen. Yeah, there's, I agree. there's too much going on right now. But the, the issue is the Bucks are seven and seven. Saints are seven and seven. So they could pass the Bucks and, and win the division. But you need the Rams to lose one. They hold the tiebreaker. Thankfully, I have a producer by the name of Nasser Chobi who feeds me all this stuff. Yeah. So he makes it make sense. But I'm the same way. I'm just like. All right, let's just win and and see what happens. But you look at these next three games, very winnable games. You, you're playing a backup this week. You could play a backup with the Steelers with Mason Rudolph, see what Kenny Pickett looks like. Mm-hmm. And then the Arizona Cardinals just scare me either way just because Yeah, Kyle that game's there's no, – if that game – hopefully it's for a playoff berth for the CX. There's no way that's going to be easy. Like right. I, I can guarantee you that's going to be stressful. Yeah. You talk about an unsung hero. I think, you know, I, I like bringing up Mike Jack. Love that guy. Love, I yeah. was pounding the table in the press. He was just pump. tossing dudes around on Monday. Oh, man. I just, I just love that he's so old school. But Big Cat, you got to say, man, that guy has not been getting the – I mean, he. you go back and watch the game, how many yeah. plays he affected. Yeah. And there's lots of times where he doesn't really do anything, but he does a lot. I mean, he's not getting a stat. Mm-hmm. But it, he, what an amazing get He's that been was. really good, especially these last couple of games. You know, a, a guy like that, we always hear about with defensive linemen. There's chemistry involved. There's kind of playing off each other, learn, learning a new system, but also just learning, okay, Jaron Reed's going to want to do this if I do this. The last couple of games he's gotten more comfortable. He's been really good. Like you said, making a bunch of plays. He had two tackles for loss and a third that was probably half a yard short to being credited as a tackle for loss on that final drive. So, yeah, um, yeah he's he's been awesome. All right. Let's do our, our best Stacey Rost impression. She's not going to be here. So, guys, got about a minute left. <laughs> <laughs> the Hawks win this game if what? I'm going to say repeat what they did last week in terms of big plays. They they allowed, after that kind of debacle 49ers game of all the huge plays, they only allowed, I think it was four or five explosive plays, one of 20 or more yards the mm-hmm. whole game. It was a 20-yard QB scramble. If you keep teams from getting yeah. those big plays on you, you're going to win a lot of football games. Yeah. I'm with Boyle on that one. And the, the – uh 
I think the least, like the shortest explosive play for the Niners the week before was 20 yards. Yeah, that's four and, plays of 40 or more. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and I think I think that with uh, what Mike Jack did, we're talking about uh, Big Leo. I mean, those are the kind of guys that shut things like that down. No big plays. San Francisco had 10 plays that equals six, 365 yards. Last week, the Eagles had their, their top 10 plays equal to 144 yards. So Amazing. I'll take that. And then I say keep causing turnovers. J-Love, keep doing your thing. Did he have his kit yet? Do you know? I don't know. I did not see him when we were in the locker room earlier. So okay. that makes me think either he has not yet or it must have just happened or something. But uh, hopefully soon so he gets back out here. But, yeah, it's a big, big week for him. Big week uh, for J-Love. Player J-Lo. of the week, yeah. having a baby. There's a lot of excitement man, around Perfect. That. I hope you get a nice little bonus check too, man. Support that baby. Kids are expensive. All right, guys. Yes, this is are. The Huddle. Dave Wyman, my guy. Boyle, I'm Michael Bump. It's coming up next. You got Wyman and Bob. You guys stay tuned.